You're now tuned in to The Investor Show, where we teach simple wealth creation for the common investors. With investment advisor, award-winning author, international speaker, and founder of Royal Financial Investment Group, Prince Dykes. Once again, guys, welcome to The Investor Show. Uh, thank you for everybody that's tuning in on this nice and beautiful Friday here in Honolulu, Hawaii. That's from uh, that's listening and that's tuned in from around the world. But as always, um, I don't have a lot of time, and I definitely know you guys don't have a lot of time. So we're going to jump straight into it. As you guys probably already have saw in the uh, flyers or description of this uh, episode, I have a very, very, very special guest. Um, I, I ran across this story, and, and, I, and I was doing some background on it, and I was like, man, that's an awesome story for him to uh, share. Um, you know, the guest I have here is Mr. Marquise Ogden, and, uh, you know, he's a, a NFL, uh, was a former NFL player. Um, that went through some financial issues, that went through entrepreneurship, uh, brothers in the NFL, Hall of Famer, all this other great stuff. So I thought he had an awesome story that he can share with you. But before I get any further, let me go ahead and welcome Mr. Ogden. Mr. Ogden, how you doing? How are you doing, friends? Okay, awesome, awesome. Definitely, definitely thank you uh, uh, for stopping through today. Um, and first, for people who don't know you, could you tell people who is Mr. Ogden? Yeah, my name is Marcus Ogden. I'm originally from Washington, D.C. I went to St. John's College High School, the same high school that Kevin Plank, who owns Under Armour, went to. I graduated with 3.9 GPA overall. I got a scholarship to play football at Howard University. I ended up there being in five years. I redshirted my first year. I had no plans of being an NFL athlete. When I went to college, I actually wanted to be a doctor, and then I actually wanted to be an investment banker. My father worked in banking all of his life. I actually interned for Merrill Lynch in their D.C. office that summer of my sophomore year, and then I found I could be drafted to the NFL. Scouts were coming by. I was talking to my coaches, talking to my brother, and I told my brother, hey, look, you know, I'll make you a deal. I'll give one full-year commitment training, everything I have to do to try to make it. If I make it, great. If I don't, I give it my best shot. Did that. I was lucky to get drafted to the NFL in 2003. I was the first draft class of Jack Del Rio, who is now the current head coach of the Oakland Raiders. And I had a great career in the NFL for about six years. Got out of the NFL, started a very successful construction company from the ground up. Grew it from $0 to about $12 million in the first five years. After that, I went bankrupt on one bad job where I had to spend $2 million in a period of about 90 days on the project to rectify an issue. Now, looking back at it, I probably would have gone this is anyway. I had the wrong people, wrong staff, you know, the whole nine yards. But at the end of the day, that one job took me over, got out of, the NF I mean, got out of that business, and ended up pretty much, I mean, destitute, broke, no money, you know, down to my last, you know, thirteen, fourteen hundred dollars in the bank. Uh, the NFL, through a program called the Gene Upshaw Trust Assistance Fund, 
ended up funding me for four months of my bills. They paid my rent, my, uh, my car, my electric, my water, my gas. Without the NFL, I'd be in terrible, terrible shape because they helped give me that breathing room to get myself started. When I moved to North Carolina, I actually worked for Merrill Lynch in their Durham office. Problem was, I was not going to pass a Series 7. I had been out for so long that I said, you know what, this is not going to work. Ended up then starting to do football coaching and, you know, branding, you know, football camps, you know, one-on-one trainings, you know, the whole night. And I actually got started with the um, Living Social. I was able to get my first client to Living Social, and I had to, you know, give up half my money, but it was better than nothing. So I really – and I also worked scrubbing baseboards of apartment buildings, taking out people's trash for $8 an hour. So imagine being a former NFL athlete. Wow. Being a construction owner, making tons of money, you know, and being at the top points of lavish dinners and becoming that next minority king. I was a minority contractor in the city of Baltimore. I was working for all the major contractors, Turner Construction, Whiting Turner, all the big boys, you name it. And I was at the table with them, getting paid a lot of money, you know, getting million-dollar checks for business, things like that, to then going bankrupt and broke in less than a three-month period. And then you are ending up working for $8 an hour uh, as a side business, of course, to coaching. But taking out people's trash and doing whatever you have to do, vacuuming floors, you know, whatever I had to do just to keep the lights on. So I've been through it all. I've literally wow. been through it all. And then I ended up taking a huge gamble. I actually just made a post on LinkedIn today. I don't know if you've seen it or not yet. I took a gamble writing a book. Wasn't sure how it was going to be received. Wasn't sure people were going to like it, people were going to buy it. Uh, was it just going to sit on, sit in the, on, you know, was it going to do anything? Took the gamble, did the book, became a bestseller within a week. And there... I started motivational speaking. I've been doing it as a career for about the last 12 months, and I've spoken already for four, actually five, I'm doing that one today, uh, five Fortune 500 companies, which are our first business bank. I'm doing them today at 2 o'clock in Raleigh. I've done J.P. Morgan and Chase. I've done Cisco. I've done Siemens, and I've done NetApp. So I've truly grown the brand and my business from the ground up. The Investor Show. Wow. Talk about a, a story. So, like, you know, I wanted you to, to go back and I know you kind of put everything in perspective of how you went from, you know, from college to pro and during your times and pros and stuff like that. One of the key things that I, I read about you and that you said was you was at Howard University and you had a financial background. How did that feel when everything just to go from NFL player to just broke. What, what got you through that dark time, that dark space? Uh, my, my, I, I met my wife on Match.com about six months before everything hit. And we ended up moving. She moved. We met on Match in July. She came up to see me in August. She moved in with me that December. 
uh, I'm sorry, yeah, that, yeah, that December, right before Christmas, so all this entire October, November, so I had to basically five months of talking and dating when she moved up with me, left her, left her job, then from there, I went bankrupt, so basically, that following March, 90 days later, I was bankrupt, we moved to Raleigh, April of 2013, because 2012 was the same she moved up with me, ended up just going through a spiral, the only way I really got through it tremendously and honestly it was the NFL and of course my wife at the end of the day the NFL really does a good job of trying to help players transition if the player is willing to own up to the mistakes they've made and ask for help the NFL can't do everything if you don't talk to them about it but then we but we have programs now like the NFL trust uh, the NFL player care foundation uh, gridiron greats. Now, these are put together. So this probably helped financially about 2,000 guys. And I always tell people when I speak for the NFL, I'm on their transitions, I work with their transition stuff, and I try to help out their players and things like that. I say I am one of the 2,000 players they've helped. You know, a lot of guys are afraid of it and, you know, are ashamed. I'm like, well, look, man, you know, you earned the right to get help. I mean, you played in the NFL for a certain amount of years. You earned that right to, to get the help. So don't be afraid to ask for help. You're tuned into The Investor Show with Prince Dykes. Very true. Now, one of the things you just, you hit on where you went from, you know, you know, all these millions of dollars to bankrupt just in three mm-hmm. months, just in this short mm-hmm. span of 90 days, and you did all this yep. stuff to prevent it, you yep. know, and, and you got your financial background, you had a great business, you didn't, you didn't lose your money on just, you know, uh, splurging on crazy things like we see Houses, in the 30 cars, 30 trips. And, right. Yep. Exactly. So... If for a new entrepreneur or maybe an NFL player or that college kid that, that tune in and listen to this or whatever the case may be, what advice would you give them? I have five keys to start and sustain a successful business as an entrepreneur. Number one, and by the way, these five keys, I did not do this when I was, had my company, Caden, which was my, my company's name was Caden Premier Enterprises. Number one, know your business. I did not know construction when I started I kind of learned along the way, but I did not have enough technical or experiential knowledge to make it work. Number two, always bet your partner. If you have a partner, there's lots of companies out there. There's one called Hitting Heights. You can spend, you know, a thousand, two thousand dollars to get them vetted. You know, check out their their uh, if they have any liens on them. If they if they file for bankruptcy, if they you know, have any, you know, uh, civil cases, criminal cases, you know, things like that. If you're going to go into bed with somebody in business, just like having a wife or a, a significant other, you better know who you're dealing with. Number three, always vet your employees. Know who you're hiring, know their background. If they give you references, find other ones to go along with it. Really, truly spend the extra time to peel back the onion layers to know who you're dealing with and who you're hiring and who you're bringing into your company. Number four, always be properly funded. My big mistake with Caden was I was doing very well with uh, concrete work, you know, flat work. When we switched to earthwork or, you know, dirt moving or moving the, uh, moving the earth, 
which is a very cash-heavy business, we were not properly funded to do so, and we were always chasing our tail trying to catch up. Because, again, I had to pay payroll every week. Insurance was like sometimes fifteen dollars to $20,000 every six months. So we had so many bills that we had to pay, we didn't have adequate lines of credit or adequate you know, you know, credit you know, cards, things of that nature, cash available to go out and get our hands on. We didn't have access to that type of financial needs that we needed to have. And the last one is know when to walk away. I now have what I call the pain threshold. So as everybody talked about entrepreneurship, I'm actually going to be doing a regional conference in Kentucky in March. The woman they hired last year, her name was uh, Gigi Butler. She owns Gigi's Cupcakes, which is the number one cupcake company in the world, and especially in the country, in the U.S. And I'm going out there to talk to them about the same thing. And I tell them all the time, it's, just the, it's the pain threshold. You should never invest more than 20% of your liquid assets into what I call risky venture projects, i.e. restaurants, bars, uh, construction, real estate, you know, uh, you know, you know, fly-by-night, you know, business that could be gone here today, gone tomorrow. So many guys lose their money in restaurants, bars, real estate, construction. Now, I lost mine because of one bad job. A lot of guys get taken over the coals. They work for a client or they, they have a partner. They give money to that that, that, that turns and runs from and never see him again. I mean, I knew a guy who wrote his book, former NFL athlete, it was trying to do a real estate investment. Gave away a check for three hundred grand. His last money to his name. Wrote a check for three hundred thousand dollars. Signed it over to her. She said she was going to invest into a big, big, you know, real estate investment. going to make him ten times money. He's back. He's, no, ten times his money. Once he gave her that check, he didn't. He never saw her again. Never saw her again. Wow. She took his wow. last three hundred thousand dollars. He, you know, he didn't. You know, I mean, there's another guy like this is public knowledge. Michael Vick, who's a I don't know who he is. He's a um, uh, he's an agent, a uh, financial planner. Stole 15 million dollars from um, oh, what's his name, the running back, who oh, uh, Darren McFadden. So, so a sports wow. agent named Michael Vick, financial planner, that was certified by the NFL. He was NFL certified. Stole 15.2 million dollars from Darren McFadden. He gave him power wow. of attorney. Never do that. He gave power of attorney to his financial planner. You never give power of attorney to anybody. Because basically they can sign for you. So wow. the five keys yeah. of, a, of starting and sustaining a successful business are, number one, know your business. Number two, vet your partner. Number three, vet your employees. Number four, always be properly funded. Number five, know when to walk away. Wow. You know, those are are very, very key things that you said there about knowing, you know, knowing when to walk away. Because, you know, when you don't put your money into it, your passion into it, that kind of becomes one of the hardest things ever to do to say, you know what, I I just think this is just cut my losses. That's it with this person or this situation. And that's why I say if you put in 20% or now if you are a risky type of a person, you have a high risk tolerance, max 20%. If you are a very conservative, low-risk tolerance person, no more than 10%. Know yourself. Because, again, if you, can, if you put 20% or less in as a, risk, as a risky person and you cut ties there, you're more likely to not chase that money. I call it chasing you down the rabbit hole. 
if you put in 30%, 40%, and 50%, you're, and your and your happy money's gone, like that's happened to me. Like I should put no more than $400,000 in the cadence and then walked away. But I leveraged my home, not once, but twice. I took out two loans for a hundred, one for 200000 one for 175000 you know, off my home. And I ended up uh, exhausting our bank line of credit from, from like, it went from one point, went from like, you know, it was down to zero, up to like almost $1.5 million. You know, I exhausted everything, you know, through payroll, sumps, materials, equipment, you name it, I exhausted everything to think of bigger. I still have problems I have to deal with from a contractor from the past trying to come after me. But the thing is, they can't come after me because at the end of the day, my wife now owns our businesses. And I don't have, I don't have to name my name anymore. At the end of the day, for me, I understand this is why I have things in my name that are smaller. But my wife, because she doesn't have anything in business herself, it helps her build up her brand. So we put like she writes ghost writes books now, but our big big thing now um, that my wife owns that we do very well is we have these speaking academies all across the country. Okay, awesome, awesome. Now, what you just said, the things you just put out about all the stuff that you've been through and all the things that you've seen, you know, for that person that's tuning in, what are some of the most common red flag decisions you see people make? Like, man, this is something that people make that mistake. People always want quick money. In business, there is no such thing as quick money. Unless you hit the lottery... And again, a high percent of them go broke. They don't know how to save it. People think they can get rich overnight, like the dot coms of back in the you know the, the mid late to late nineties. Yeah, you yeah, can do that, knows. but it's but you have a chance to get hit by lightning. If you're trying to start a business, it's going to take you at least three, sometimes five to seven years to get it sustainable and to get it where it needs to be, where it's making it becomes a well or a well oiled machine. I made it to year five and went bankrupt. So again. If you're not wow. ready to go for a, a 15 round or 12 round heavyweight, you know, uh, boxing, you know, slobber knocker championship fight with a business, don't even start it. So with our speaking academies, what we do is we help guys or entrepreneurs or anybody that wants to transition, start a business, become a public speaker, build your brand. We help you make smart decisions and choices. So we have different segments like. Uh, how to tell your story to potential investors or to potential people to hire you, uh, how to build a proper website, uh, you know, financial literacy and opportunity, you know, things like that. We help you, you know, uh, speech, tailor, and construction, how to talk to different people about your business, how to, you know, how to vet people, you know, social media branding and awareness, how to create uh, awareness around your brand through social media that's free. You know, I didn't have that when I had my business. So our academies, which are becoming very well known with the NFL, uh, the uh, MLB, NHL, and we're talking to the NBA uh, here shortly, they're trying to have their athletes come through our program to kind of help them prepare for life after sports. And then people come to us to kind of help themselves prepare for if they want to change jobs or they want to start a business, how to go about it. And we have a lot of great networking. Like we've got 
New York Life Insurance is coming uh, to our academy. They're a Fortune 50 company. I had a call with Golden Corral today about coming, about you know, uh, looking to try to bring people on to hire by their franchises. Uh, we're talking to Home Depot. We're talking to USAA. Uh, we're talking to H&R Block. Uh, we're talking to uh, you know, Hooters, SunTrust Bank, you name it. So we're trying to create an atmosphere where people can learn how to public speak, learn how to transition from one thing to the next if they're looking to do that, and then learn how to grow their brand through meeting people that might be able to hire them or might be able to hire them, you know, to retain their, their services for work as a, as a company and hire them for their products and services, all types of things. So we had our first one in Atlanta last October, this past October. It was sold out. The one in, in Kansas City is already about 60 people that are attending, and we're, we're only going to do about 150. So we're well ahead of the curve for signups and, and sponsors, things like that. So it's a great opportunity. Now, for people that, uh, like I, I did, I know you mentioned about your book. I did see that about your book, and, you know, I would definitely be grabbing a copy. And also what I'm going to do is the first two people that email the show, info, I-N-F-O, at royalfinancials.com. You send over an email. The first two people that send over email and put in the in the email, put the name in, put my name in, put in print. First two people that send me that email, they will also get a copy of your book sent to them as well to uh, check out and stuff like that. Uh, you know, okay. I know looking back at that story of when I saw the story, that's what I was like, man, I just love stories of when people experience bad things because I know here on the show, people see people that come in that are highly successful, but I like for people to see how people have a rebound, how they experience such a loss. And I pick up and I learn so much from that as well, just by uh, being on this conversation with you here and hearing what you've been through and what you've done. That has helped me out, uh, you know, dramatically. Uh, so how can people get in contact with you and how can they catch your, your events or things like that? So what they can do is they can go to www.marcusnarquesogden.com and they can, there's my cell phone number on there for company for speaking opportunities or things like that. For my academy, you can go to my same website, www.marcusogden.com and you can go to the Speaking Academy tab, and then you can uh, hit register today, or you can call me to get registered for the Academy. And then there also, we're going to be, for my book, go to my website, you can go to my homepage, and you can hit a link to purchase my book to take you to Amazon to purchase the book off Amazon. So my website is very comprehensive. We're building a Speaking Academy tab, I'm sorry, excuse me, a Speaking Academy website solely, but for now, on my current website, we have a Speaking Academy tab, which will allow you to, and there's also like a five to eight minute slideshow of people's um, testimonials that came to the first one. We have like former special forces from the military. We've got uh, NFL athletes, uh, Major League Baseball athletes. We have regular attendees. We have sponsors. So it's a very comprehensive slideshow of about five to eight minutes long that shows you how people that came to the first one like their uh, experience. Stay tuned for The Investor Show.
Okay. But before we head out of here, though, I want to ask you one last question. For being around in the NFL and being around all these different players and, you know, the lifestyle, all the other crazy stuff, uh, what is one of the craziest things you've seen players spend their money on? The craziest things I've seen guys spend money on are, are cars. Guys, it, it's like you get caught up in keep up with the Joneses. Now, it happened to me my first my first year. I bought a very nice Escalade, but I didn't buy it until I made the roster until I knew I, after my first check. And that was the only thing that I bought of value. I knew guys that bought cars when they were getting they were getting they, uh, they were leaving college and they had their agents bump them a hundred thousand dollars to buy a car or to buy this or that. I mean, I've seen guys buy, you know, Bentleys and Lamborghinis trying to keep up with other guys in the locker room. And I'm like, dude, you, you can't do that. If you're, a, if, you're a seventh, if you're a seventh round pick, you can't keep up with the first round pick. If you're a first round pick, you can't keep up with a 15-year vet. So guys spend money on a lot of things. But the thing I've seen the most in my career, you know, my six-year career plus my brother's career over, over, over 12 years, would definitely have to be automobiles. Wow. So the thing, do do people like when you, when you get drafted? Since you've been there, you get that uh, drafted from the outside looking in. I never was good at sports. I knew I wasn't going nowhere with sports myself personally. So from the right. person that's looking from the outside looking in, we see uh, the, the crazy contracts. Oh, this person signs for eighty uh, eighty million dollar contract, and then when we hear this person is now broke or whatever, we're like, what? Well, how? How is that even possible? Well, people don't make that a lot, in a lot of time that money is not all money is not guaranteed. Sometimes you get like, get like twenty million dollars is guaranteed. Then you have taxes, you have the agency fees. So by the time you're done, you might only get like twenty million dollars guaranteed. You might only have like eight left. But then you're spending that whole eighty million thing is always going to come back, but then you can get cut. So a lot of guys tend to spend their full contract amount or think it's never going to end, and they don't plan properly. Like I know a guy who wrote his book. He ended up always being in the negative at the start of every football season. He was uh, he was a star at South Carolina. Then he got uh, kicked out of there. Went to a D three school. Ended up getting undrafted to the Cowboys as a as a, uh, as a running back. Had a great three year career with the, with the Cowboys. And they ended up getting traded to another team. And at the start of his fifth year, he was in the negative. In the negative, ended up then getting cut from uh, getting cut from the team he was uh, traded to. Then he couldn't get picked back up. Then he went into dealing, you know, into dealing drugs and things like that to, to keep his money and to keep his, his facade up. He got caught, went to jail for two and a half years. So federal prison. So again, wow. a lot of guys tend to live in the black. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, live in the red, and then hope to get back into the black when the season starts. But sometimes you don't get you don't you don't get picked back up. So you don't get picked back up. You are at you. You are in a situation of, you know, you're not getting picked back up. Wow! So, wow! Yep. That's eye opening to us. You know, you know, ESPN don't tell us that part. They don't break down no, the contract. No, of course not. No, of course not. <laughs> they no, just say, not. hey, you know, this guy has made a hundred million dollars over so his like lifetime. Air, so like, air, like, so like, uh, like Angela thinks like a hundred twenty million. I think of his, I think eighty million of his is guaranteed. Okay, so he gets eighty million guaranteed. So, mm-hmm. but you ever hear you ever hear quarterbacks? You don't really really hear too much of quarterbacks going broke. You don't hear about Peyton Manning going broke or Andrew Luck or, or Peyton Manning or Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers because those guys get the big money. Most NFL wow. guys, linemen, they don't get the type of money. 
So you might be making four hundred thousand if you're a base salary guy, or you know one point two, one point three million if you're you know, or or if you're lucky, or sometimes it's maybe as high as like five or six million, which is great. But take out taxes, which is going to go about half. Then you have to pay taxes wherever state that you're playing in, and then from there you have agencies and you have all the other type of stuff, and then from there you're a lot of your money is being taken away from taxes or from things like that. So a lot of guys don't understand, and that's why guys hire financial planners or accountants to do the work that they're supposed to do. They think they're doing it well. The guys aren't doing it right. In some cases, those guys ended up you know, having to pay tax. You know, uh, I mean, I knew one guy who had like a, he had to pay like a half a million dollar uh, ta- IRS tax bill, property tax bill, because the accountant and the people that bought his property ended up uh, not paying taxes on it. So he ended up having to uh, pay back taxes over half a million dollars. So and he went through his agent, wow. his brother-in-law, to be his accountant and his property manager. And then they bought him a nice condo in downtown uh, Miami, like a, like a million-dollar condo, but they didn't pay the property taxes on it. So he ended up losing caught. the property. So. Yeah, that's right. So he had a million dollars he had to pay for that, plus he had to pay for the taxes. I mean, so by the time he was done, I mean, it was, it was pretty much a wrap. So the, the best way or the only way to really – combat this is just to come in and just live very modest pretty yep. much yep live modestly plan efficiently and you'll and try to go from there and, and cause you gotta think about it, you know i i noticed one thing about you guys is you know right now i'm at the age of 32 and a lot of this happened when you're in your early 20s and you make all of this money and all these big decisions you got to make at such a young age so Paul, second, that's crazy okay So, yeah, Prince, but the thing is coming in, live modestly, and be very, very careful with who you bring into your circle, financial planners, lawyers, accountants. And honestly, if guys could get some educational information or financial literacy, they would be much better off. Okay, very true. But I know, you know, uh, I want to say thank you for coming in and stopping by to do this interview. Don't forget to uh, check him out at MarquiseOgden.com for a a free copy of his book. Uh, Send an email over to info at royalfinancials.com. The first two people to send that email and write in the name Prince, and I will know that you got the uh, password or whatever, and I'll ask you for your email address, and that would be, you know, courtesy of the show. And to uh, thank Mr. Ogden for his uh, time for stopping by the show and, you know, Thank you, guys, and I appreciate it, and I thank you for your time. Thanks, Press, for having me, man. All right. You, you, anything you want to leave out on? No, man. Just tell everybody, definitely uh, check out, so everybody know, check out the Academy, uh, mm-hmm. May 10th and 11th in Kansas City, Missouri. Uh, if you look at my uh, speaking on financial literacy, leadership, business motivation, practices, uh, go to my website, www.marcusogden.com. Give me a phone call. And uh, I've already got about 20 gigs built already. I'm looking to even get hired by Columbia University here in early part of January. So I have the credentials. Give me a call. But definitely, definitely trying to become a speaker or transition. Definitely come to our academy in May in 2016, 2017 in Kansas City. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you, guys. And always, you guys already do. Until the next episode, peace. Be safe. And I'm out.